This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Elon Musk isn't going anywhere as Tesla's CEO. Used car demand stays strong despite economic challenges. And Honda joins Toyota's hydrogen engine push. Plus, we'll hear from S&P's Michael Robinette about how suppliers are faring in this economy. It's a consortium of problems. You've got, uh, obviously, the inflation I would say over the last year, year and a half has been a significant issue. Um, if you are a labor-focused supplier and you you obviously need a significant amount of labor to get your product out to uh, your tier one or your OEM customers, that's a problem. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says he has no immediate plans to leave the top post at the world's EV leader. Musk says he wants to oversee the further development of artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence. At the company's annual shareholders meeting Tuesday, an investor asked Musk about recent murmuring that he may step down. There's some rumors that you're thinking about stepping down as CEO. Please say it ain't so. <laughs> it ain't so. Uh, so. Yeah. I think Tesla's going to play an important role uh, in, in AI and AGI, and uh, I, I think I need to oversee that to make sure it's, it's good. The Wall Street Journal reported last week that Tesla board members had discussed company CFO Zach Kirkhorn as a possible successor to Musk. Another audience member asked whether Musk would reconsider his long-held stance against traditional advertising to sell cars. There are um, amazing features and functionality about Teslas that people just don't know about. So I, I think what you're saying um, does, does have some merit. And um, you know what? I, I believe in taking, taking suggestions. So um, we'll, we'll try a little advertising and see how it goes. Musk has for years resisted the idea of running ads. He tweeted in 2019 that he, quote, hates advertising and, quote, we use that money to make the product great. Pent-up demand for used cars and trucks converged with tight supply through the first five months of the year to sustain used vehicle sales. For now, those trends are assuaging some dealers' year-end 2022 concerns about a potential slowdown in buying. Still, caution is the word on the used vehicle side. Though demand was healthy through the 2023 spring selling season, the level it was at in 2021 is gone. That's according to franchise dealership leaders who spoke with Automotive News. They are monitoring factors that could dent sales. One is the continuing rise of interest rates, which has consumers browsing with added concern about heftier monthly payments. Dealers are also contending with unremitting scarcity of desired late model use vehicle inventory. Toyota's push to embrace hydrogen combustion as a path to carbon neutrality has gained backing from rivals, including Honda and Suzuki. A group of Japanese mini-car and motorcycle makers 
are launching a fresh nationwide effort to promote the technology. Honda and Suzuki will join Kawasaki and Yamaha to develop hydrogen combustion engines for, quote, small mobility. That's a category they say covers mini vehicles, motorcycles, boats, construction equipment, and drones. The new effort injects fresh energy into a clean powertrain strategy championed by Toyota, which has largely been something of a lone voice in the wilderness on this technology. And AutoNation has hired a new CFO in the auto retailer's second major executive change within the last few weeks. Thomas Slozik is an executive from outside the auto industry. He has been CFO at Honeywell International and a chemicals and materials company. He will start by August 7th. He replaces Joe Lower, who will move to a newly created role at the company overseeing business transformation initiatives. Lower was named CFO in late 2019 after working in that role at office supplies company Office Depot. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, something you and I have discussed off air, Tesla and their resistance of traditional advertising. Why do you think they've been able for so long not have to take that route like other automakers? Yeah, it's been really amazing. You know, Tesla has had so much excitement around it, around the the new newness of the vehicles and their style and their charger network, just all the all the magic around that brand. Uh, there's been just more demand than Tesla could supply for the first you know more than decade of the company's existence. They uh, just really didn't need to spur demand when so many people already wanted to buy the vehicles. And you know, Elon Musk is he's kind of a celebrity, but even before that, he was you know very active on Twitter and other places where he could stir up attention. He could make comments about the company and get people talking about it. And if they didn't know what a Tesla was, they were going to find out. Now, Tesla has four vehicle assembly plants scattered all over the world. They're cranking out a lot of vehicles, a lot of electric cars, and there's more competition. So it seems like maybe the supply is catching up to or even exceeding the demand and might be worth putting a little money into marketing to get some people, more people to want to buy some cars. Interesting stuff. Coming up, a look at the many challenges facing auto suppliers. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better, outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. 
Suppliers are in the thick of it these days. Many of them are cash-strapped after three years of limited and inconsistent production. Their automaker customers are asking for big investments by suppliers to help them pivot toward EV manufacturing. Meanwhile, the cost of borrowing is getting higher, and access to funds in general is getting tougher. And to top it off, labor remains scarce, and there's the risk of a strike or two ahead later this year. To help sort through all of these challenges, automotive news reporter John Irwin and I hosted a LinkedIn Live discussion with Michael Robinette. He is a consultant and executive director at S&P Global Mobility, and he joined me at our studio in Detroit. Mike, what is the biggest problem facing suppliers right now? Is it their, is it their cash position? Jamie, it's a consortium of problems. You've got, uh, obviously, the inflation I would say over the last year, mm. year and a half has been a significant issue. Um, if you are a labor-focused supplier and you you obviously need a significant amount of labor to get your product out to uh, your tier one or your OEM customers, that's a problem. Um, the cash position uh, for many is is an is a looming issue. Uh, for, you know, it's 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 getting worse as time goes on. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of tier one publicly traded suppliers are, you know, have a very strong cash position. We're worried more about smaller tier ones, tier twos mm-hmm. that might be family run companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe their debt position is not where they'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. And and like you said at the intro, three years. Um, where in <laughs> fact, if you if you think about it, this coming fourth quarter will be almost four years of supply disruption, starting with the GM UAW strike in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter of 2019. Mm-hmm. That sort of got the ball rolling. And and since then, it's been one endless calamity after another. <laughs> you mentioned inflation, and obviously, there's been a lot of inflation on the labor side. Um, what else has been particularly hit? Um, some suppliers were on uh, what we call commission or resale programs. So their OEM customer or maybe their tier one customer would would buy the product for them. So mm. they sometimes had to carry it on their balance sheet. But other suppliers um, were not on those positions. I know a lot of suppliers that bought stainless steel or specialty resins, and you can't the the your customer doesn't buy them for you. You buy them and you keep it on your balance sheet and you use it as work in progress and get the product out the door. As those prices went up and down, they they fluctuated significantly. Mm. And going back to your customer on a regular basis and say, hey, resin costs an awful <laughs> lot more. Stainless steel costs. It, it was an endless barrage. And I, I I almost feel bad for the procurement teams of the vehicle manufacturers because they know when the supplier darkens their door, it's usually not to say, I've got a new product for you. <laughs> it's usually to say, I, I need a price increase. Yeah. 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 John, what's on your mind? You know, on that note, it's interesting. Like you said, it, it's been years of suppliers going back to automakers, looking for price concessions, that sort of thing, just because of those issues you're talking about is are we seeing any sort of success on that front from suppliers generally speaking are they getting more of these concessions now maybe versus a year or two ago or are things kind of the way that they have been for the last couple of years uh you know how, how have things been evolving on that front no that's a good question i i would say the the early suppliers or the ones that were early into the process they were able to get in front of their customers so either the vehicle manufacturers or, or the or the larger tier ones that they were servicing they were getting in front getting in front of them and saying we've got an issue to be completely honest suppliers that have not been able to get any price increases are probably on the edge of going out of business. And there aren't many of them. It's a matter of timing now. It's were you able to get early in the process or have you been late to the process? And uh, and, and that's really been a real deciding factor in the supply base. 
like you said, it's been you know almost four years now of supply chain challenges. Um, what's on the horizon that maybe you know can provide you know some you know hope for suppliers that are hoping to look for better days ahead? I mean, is there are we just waiting for the market to eventually turn around, or is there you know something else on the horizon that maybe could shift this equation for suppliers back to maybe what we saw? Or something approximating what we saw before the pandemic. You know, th- there's uh, there's a good amount of pent up demand still out there. Um, I was at my local Chevy dealer getting my vehicle serviced, and um, they had no vehicles in the showroom. I asked why. Well, all we have are Silverados and you know a couple of Trailblazers. Uh, so you know, it's interesting. They're starting to get some inventory, and I, I think normalcy is starting to come around a little bit. Um, I think this year you're going to start to see the vehicle manufacturer detrim their vehicles. You know, let's face it, for the last three years, they could sell whatever they could build if they could find the parts to do it. So they they had them all trimmed up, you know, highest packages, make as much money as you can. And, and that's the capitalistic way. That's great. But I think going forward, there, you know, demand is going to start to kind of out, outstrip supply a little bit. Uh, and, and from a perspective of we're going to start to see some normalization there. Yeah, it seems like it's not really decontenting but it's it is a like what do you call it detrimming it's yeah. it's it's often you know they'll they'll come out with a new model and it might have five trim levels and they've only been making the top one or two yeah. so now it's there there is demand but it's they've kind of tapped out a lot of that high end demand where we need some more of the the base models or at least the mid level models exactly and i think what you found is that because people weren't able to get maybe a mid-trimmed vehicle or even the fleet market um, because they haven't really been active as much for the last couple of years. You know, they're basically being told you can buy this highly trimmed vehicle or you're not going to get one at all. So I, I think <laughs> that, you know, some normalcy is coming there. But, you know, John, to your point, it's been an endless calamity of, you know, whether it was the UAW strike in 19, you had COVID in 20, you had COVID and chips in 21, we had chips in 22, uh, and then inflation reared its ugly head. And then we've had inflation this year. The chip situation is getting a bit bigger or a bit better, excuse me. But but I would say over the next uh, couple quarters, you're going to start to see a little bit more jagged demand supply issues with as inventory starts to get a little bit higher on some vehicles. You know, we may have some labor disruptions in the fourth quarter um, and, and how all that works its way through with two new presidents of the major union. So it, it's um, it's an endless barrage. That's for sure. You know, you mentioned this chaotic era beginning with the strike in 2019. How are suppliers looking at the labor situation and the upcoming contracts to be negotiated by the D3 with the UAW and with Unifor? Well, it's interesting. We've we've had, um, you know, the, the, the UAW and the Unifor labor, you know, was set for the last couple of years. Obviously, it's contractual in every four years, and now they're, they're in sync this year. And so they'll reset themselves for plausibly another three to four years as well. But through that whole process, you had suppliers, especially suppliers that are, have been working their way through and maybe weren't, uh, weren't unionized and they're paying market wages. So some of the mm-hmm. wages are actually getting as high as some of the, uh, as some of the OEM wages. So it's this interesting juxtaposition that we've seen the last mm-hmm. couple of years. But, you know, obviously with the new contract the settings, you know, they'll they'll take another jump up, presumably. A couple of follow-ups on that. I feel like for a dealer, maybe you want to build up a little extra inventory in case there's going to be a strike and you want to make sure you still have stuff to sell. Is there is there yeah. anything a supplier can do? I mean, I guess watch your pennies and try to save, make sure you've got cash and lines of credit. 
you know, to be honest with you, even I would even say dealers, and I've spoken to a couple of them, mm. they're, they're ordering as many vehicles as they can get. Even if they feel they have too many of a vehicle, they'll mm -hmm. take it and uh, they, maybe they'll horse trade it a little bit if they need to, to get some other product. What can a supplier do? To be honest with you, in the new just-in-time world, there's very little you can do. You might be able to maybe push off some capital spending maybe into the first quarter if you can delay it and not not raise any alarm bells with your customers. Uh, but, you know, this whole idea, oh, I'm going to build months and months of inventory and let it sit on the floor. You can't do that. You need proper racking. It sits in your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. Your bank's going to ask what's going on. Uh, so, you know, there's very little suppliers to do, can do, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff, CJ Moore, Hans Grimel, and Mark Homer for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on suppliers, EV manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.